Hello, my friend. I'm Nat Box, and welcome to the Risk Takers podcast. In 2012, I took a risk, resigned from my job, which was very scary, and I asked myself, what would I do for free? What would I love to do even if I wasn't getting paid? My answer was traveling, writing, and encouraging people. Now, I had many moments of freaking out, of course, but this led me off the beaten path and to become curious, to ask questions. And I ended up becoming a travel writer, a tour guide to Alaska. I moved to Hong Kong, Boston, and New York twice, all without knowing a soul. I wrote a mentoring program. I became a radio host. And each of these things have one thing in common. I took a massive risk. I've had my fair share of challenges, as we all have. I've faced pain and failure, and I'll share more of these stories as we go along. But I wanted to create this platform for some of the biggest dreamers and creative minds to come and share their stories as well, to encourage us all. Because when we're little, we took risks and we dreamt so big, and somewhere along the way, we kind of lost that part of ourselves. And so I would love to encourage us all to bring that part of us back, to awaken that part of us. And so that's what this podcast is all about, to remind us who we we truly are, how brave and uniquely special we are, and that we all have something beautiful to bring this world. So I'm on a mission to inspire 1 million people to take the risk they've always dreamed of. Welcome to the Risk Takers podcast. I'm cheering you on and here's today's episode. Love you. My special guest today is yacht living adventurer, graphic designer, entrepreneur, and risk-taking extraordinaire, Joel Pringle, as well as being super talented designing, helping his clients tell powerful brand stories with his handcrafted drawings. Joel is passionate about helping people create and live the life of their dreams, and he knows how to do this from experience. He's had his share of challenges in life, but has completely turned it around and loves teaching others how they can do this too. A few years ago, Joel and his partner Eve were living in Melbourne and decided they wanted a different kind of life. It all started with a conversation which sparked their wild imaginations. They put their plan into action, both started online businesses and worked incredibly hard, then packed up their lives, purchased a 35-foot vintage sailing yacht named Opal, decked her out with beds and a kitchen and fabulous workspaces and moved to the Whitsundays, which is where they're based now. A side note, they did this all before they learned to sail. So this is another example that anything (laughs) is possible. Joel is passionate about teaching people how to see their wildest dreams become reality. And we'll talk about how he does this. This episode is going to be a wild ride and I'm very excited. Welcome to the Risk Takers podcast, Joel Pringle. Oh, thank you very much. What an intro. I'm, um, I'm embarrassed. <laughs> it's, it's all true. It's all true. But um, yeah, thanks so much. I'm very grateful to be here. Oh, it's such a treat to chat to you and uh, <laughs> been watching your journey and have been so inspired by it and as, as have a lot of my friends and... I just think it's so brave. Well, you probably don't say it brave. It's just risk-taking. Um, I just want to start by saying, what, what? how would you describe your life right now? Like, what have you been doing the last few weeks? So, my life right now, um, I would probably describe as idyllic with an like a, an undercurrent of challenge. Yeah. I, I'm a big believer in that um, kind of cliche that success is, you know, it's not owned, it's rented. Um, and so I think, you know, right now, like life's fantastic, mm-hmm. um, but it, it definitely, like you need, you need to do maintenance on your success to, to keep it good. So the last couple of weeks, we've just been like chipping away. Mm-hmm. I've been, um, you know, trying to treadmill off some of the 2020 chubs that I put on <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, to varying levels of success. And yeah, what else? Like just 
like the logo business is back into full swing. So that's always, um, you know, a huge challenge. We've had my partner Eve's birthday. Yeah, it's, it's been huge. I could literally talk for 40 minutes on what I've squeezed into the last three weeks. Like we had 10 people um, up uh, for basically a four-night course that we did on, on yachts. Like, yeah, <laughs> there's so much, so much. Sounds fantastic. Um, yeah, we'll get more into the uh, the beautiful yachting lifestyle soon. But just to take us back, what was younger you like and have you – because I would consider you a risk taker and yeah. people, people have varying degrees of definition of that, the word risk taker, and some people are a bit afraid yeah. of the word too. But, um, well, how, yeah, how would you define risk taker and were you like this when you were younger, do you think? Sure. Okay. So that, that I guess is a two-parter. Um, I'll, I'll tackle the, the how do I define risk taker first and then we can do the, the little Joel yeah. um, question. Right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't think I've become big Joel yet, but anyway. <laughs> that's, um, no, that's perfect. That's what I love. This is, that's what I believe in totally. Yeah. Okay. Yep. yeah. <laughs> so um, I, I think there's, um, you know, there's people who just kind of, try to stick it to the man by going, right, I'm taking my bat and ball and I'm just going to go and try and, you know, live separately and, and it's, it's never really all that successful. With, with the risks that I've taken in my life to unlock a kind of better lifestyle, I've always tried to mitigate the downside with um, a fair degree of, like, the calculated risks, mm. you know, like, and I also I also feel that, and unless you're onto an absolute um, losing horse, and and there is, um, and there has been times in my life where I've been on losing horses that, you know, no matter how much hard work you put into it, you can't get ahead. Mm. I think I think if you're willing to bite off a lot and then just literally be prepared to do absolutely anything um, in your power to make it work. There's not a hell of a lot that you can't chew. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so that's what I've pretty much tried to do. Like anytime there's those big, big forks in the road, you know, it's, it's not that I every single time take the most daring path. Like sometimes I've taken, um, you know, the, the more careful, like the less risk taking path. But in those risk taking moments, you, you just kind of go, right, what's the reward for this risk? what are the several things that I can do to try and ensure that I end up in reward town instead of like, shit, this didn't work out kind of area. And yeah, in, in terms of, uh, so that's kind of how I define risk taker. Some, yeah. Somebody who, yeah, takes educated punts on things um, instead of just kind of, I feel like a lot of people take risks out of um, just basically being fed up instead of taking a risk to like make a good thing better. Mm. So, so that's what I try and do. In terms of little Joel, I I definitely haven't always been, you know, what I would call, you know, like what I just defined about um, risk taking. I feel like that's a pretty level headed approach to doing something pretty wild. I haven't always been level headed. And especially when I was younger, yeah, I, I just, I don't know. I, I didn't really have the most. Um, I, I guess you know, if, if we're talking about the ages of between ten and twenty, I think I was just like dealing with um, my family situation. Yeah. You know, 
uh, just being a being a little kid, really. And and yeah, so I, I couldn't tell you if I was like risk taking one way or another. I, I guess one little example I could probably give you is um, when I was say twelve or thirteen. You know, BMX bikes were everywhere. I was always the um, I was always the little boy who could end up doing the biggest jumps. Whereas, like all of my other little kind of twelve-year-old mates would see a jump and basically pedal at it and like do do really big jumps at the start and then end up, you know, breaking their arm or something. <laughs> I I was more of the kid that like the first time I would like literally just like roll over the jump, yeah, and then the second time I'd be like, right, I'm going to have a little bit more speed at this. Just just I I guess like again, it's that mm-hmm. like careful risk taking Mm. yeah you know you're still doing the jump you're still you know uh taking the risk but it's just yeah you do it in a careful way yeah i love i do love asking that question because i mean really when we're you know eight or ten you don't really think about all these decisions (laughs) you make as a risk taker (laughs) but it's I, i actually like hearing you know a lot of people say they weren't and they were really like you know, nervous and, and, but now they've Super changed. Careful. And so it's yeah. kind of encouraging to hear that lifestyle and just surrounding yourself with big dreamers and learning about risk-taking when you haven't had that as a childhood norm. That's amazing yeah. too, because you can be like, oh yeah, I've totally changed. Now I'm sort of, yeah, I'm not risk averse. And so that's why, yeah, I love hearing. And plus I love hearing about what people were like when they were younger too, because it's. Yeah. It's yeah. Yeah. Fun. It's amazing hearing like what makes people tick. Yeah. So now you're like what you just mentioned then you you mentioned family challenges can you share whatever you'd like to share really just in terms of because we all have things in life and it's easy for people to look at look at lifestyles and think oh they've got it all easy you know they just yeah yeah, yeah. he probably grew up on a yacht you know that's probably yeah I've (laughs) got to admit I do uh, I do at least at least I wouldn't say once a day but I'm probably once every three days I get either a DM or, or something that's like, you know, daddy's money or uh-huh. like, oh, it's easy for some. Yeah. I'm just like, oh, mate, you know, I, yeah. Yeah, and you're like, you know what, um, no, I've worked really hard and if you knew yeah. my story. <laughs> yeah, so um, I, it, so my um, my childhood and adolescence and, and even young adulthood is – it, like you know, the the podcast like like everybody's like the the podcast um you know should be fifteen hours long to mm. to get it all down. But in a nutshell, I I did an interview recently, and I thought the bloke did a really good way of summing everything up. And it was just just basically that my childhood absolutely had no stability. Mm. Um, so yeah, there was um. You know, when I hear of people who, um, you know, for instance, had a, f- a family home that they had, uh, you know, for, for several years and, and like one or two or even three schools and, and more or less the same, you know, geographical location and um, similar, you know, faces like friends of the family that you'd see kind of year in, year out at like gatherings and stuff. I really, without sounding too dramatic, that sounds like, you know, how they must live on Mars to me. Like yeah. that, that, that just kind of wasn't what I experienced. Mm. And in, in a lot of ways, what I experienced was like, 
it, it perfectly set me up for my my life now, basically, which is, you know, it, in, it's like the healthy version of mm. what I had. So, like, for instance, right now, I'm, I'm not attached to... Yeah, pretty much anything. I I think I could probably, you know, and I don't kind of uh, say this lightly, but I could probably be stripped of, I'd say, 90% of the things that I have in my life and I could still kind of, you know, soldier on and and win it all back kind of thing. Mm. Um, And, yeah, and I, I think basically my childhood being a situation where, yeah, like... Okay, so I think I think I went to something like nine different schools, may, maybe more. One of them was like School of the Air, kind mm. of, um, you know, on CBs and stuff. I've lived in tents. So I've like there, there's like a family mystery that I still haven't gotten to the bottom of. That I'm yeah. pretty sure I'm pretty sure my my parents were running from the law at one stage. Wow. Um, and yeah, I say my parents. My mum yep. was running for from the law because um, yeah, my my father and her separated early, so it was kind of like my mum, her partner, and myself in like a car full of our belongings, tracing up and down the east coast mm. <laughs> when I when I was like, you know, between the ages of, of six and and fifteen. Yeah. So yeah, I guess just like and and you know, there's there's several other things that are kind of more dramatic, but in in a nutshell, I think the thing that was was tricky for for a kid and you know kids love stability and routine and all of that stuff was that there was like literally every day was kind of a a what's going to happen today kind of thing um and so yeah i think luckily slash i've worked really hard to turn it into a positive how that manifests in my life these days is like um in basically the exact same thing, but in a good way. It's mm. like, I, I don't know if, um, you know, this afternoon we'll be on a jet ski or mm. like, you know, hey, do you want to drive the Range Rover up to, or down to Noosa? Like with, with my work being as kind of fluid and flexible as it is, there, I can have as little or as or as, as much routine as I like. Yeah. And, and that, that's pretty amazing. Yeah, there's there's such yeah. there's such an element of safety to it now, where yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah like the the thing that used to be the scary thing mm. is actually the liberating thing now. Wow, yeah, it's so interesting, isn't it? Psychologically, because we all we all yeah, but we all <laughs> have our, we all have our stuff, and that's you know that's a that's a full on story, and it's. It, our stories make us who we are and help us yeah. connect with people and. And just, you know, even the flip side of those comments that you get, you know, you know, daddy, yeah. daddy's money, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> but then, you know, you hear that and just in a few minutes, like, it's like this, yeah, deep, beautiful, authentic connection that um, if they had just asked those kind of questions, they would have found out some amazing things about you. So, sure. Yeah. Sure. And, it, and, you know, I, I do my best to be um, like the, the whole getting, getting flack on social media thing is, it's fairly new to me because I've only just kind of, and for God's sake, I'm not Beyonce, <laughs> not by a long shot, but like with the, with the little success that I've found, it is a direct correlation between like, you know, you, you get a little bit of success and you get a little bit of hate. Like mm. that's just unfortunately the way it works. And I do, 
I do try to not only take it, sorry, not take it personally, but also just be like, you know, like that person's also struggling as well. And that's, you know, I I don't do it, um, you know, well. I'm learning that part because it's literally only been a part of my life for, you know, four or five months or something. But, um, yeah, like literally, you know, I, I don't check them anymore, but like whenever I used to get something like that, I would click through to the, poor bastards you know <laughs> <laughs> to the poor buggers you know profile and it's like it looks like they're not having a very good time so yeah. you know it, it is what it is yeah yeah and i know and it's it's all it all comes down to that aspect of humanity and just i mean it's hard when you i mean if you're getting yeah, attacked you're like oh, this doesn't feel very nice at all gosh yeah I just want to i mean that's why i think what you what you do and what you've done to to surround yourself with amazing people and big dreamers and I had a conversation with someone yesterday about when you're I don't know if you if, if, if you know that you're talking with someone who's not on the same page or just maybe is feeling a little bit unsure of how you got to where you are but as opposed to um, someone who is kind of a big thinker and is really happy to hear about your great stories. And yeah, yeah. Ha- yeah, it's so important to have that, those people around you because it's almost like, yeah, people kind of uh, dim their success so they can connect with other people who aren't on that same page. And so h- how important is that for you to have those fellow big dreamers? So um, th- what, what I'll do now is I'll, um, I'll try and be quite explicit because I really believe in this point and, and it's, um, y- yeah, like if your following can take one thing from this podcast, I'd love it to be this. Mm. So I, I believe in it so much to a point where I not only surround myself with amazing people and I, I literally rely on them. Like I, yeah, I, I couldn't endorse that more, but it's also those people that are in the other corner, like those people that, you know, they just, they drag you down in one way or another. It's absolutely vital if you do want to kind of move forward in life, and for for me, the definition of moving forward was healthier relationships, um, you know, financial success, freedom in lifestyle, those kind of things is how I define it. Mm. So this might be different to people who, you know, for instance, would stick by their family even if they're not, you know, a, a healthy influence if they define moving forward in life is, you know, sticking by their family, then probably don't listen to this. Mm. But I've, yeah, I've basically over probably an eight year period, just, yeah, let, let go of my mother, my father, you know, I'm, I'm happily back in, in a relationship now with Eve, my fiance, but four or five years or six years ago or something now, yeah, I, I had to uh, let go of my wife at the time who I have an amazing child with. So I really can't stress enough that, you know, those are the kind of connections that, in my opinion, they're those ones that are, it, it's pretty hard to let go of like a friend, for instance, mm. but it's like infinitely more hard to let go of, you know, either a mother or a father or somebody that you've had a child with, for instance. But, you know, and, and I don't want it to sound too too dramatic, but, but it literally is the fact. Like, 
if if you're genuinely wanting to move into a more of a a place that you know in your heart is out there, which I can vouch for is totally out there. Mm. You know, they are the type of sacrifices that I've made so that I can be in this much better place. Yeah. Um, so yeah, like it just it really doesn't matter if it feels like cutting your arm off. Like if if your arm is cancerous, you've got to cut it off. Yeah. So yeah, that's <laughs> that's what I would say. Like surround yourself with amazing people and and let go of those you know crappy people. It, it doesn't matter if they're blood. It doesn't matter if they're like just just move forward. Like what you said, you choose, we can actually choose who, what, what our life looks like. We feel like we yeah. can't. We feel like our life is handed to us on this platter, which yeah. as a child it is kind of. But then as we yeah. go through life, we can assess. And that's such a wild thing for many people to think, to even, un, to yeah. even fathom yeah. that. I say the hardest thing actually isn't a lot of the time taking the step or taking the steps to achieve, you know, your dreams, it's actually the permission you give yourself to say, what if I did this? Like that moment of, and so by surrounding yourself with people that do that, that definitely builds you up and. Yeah. Yeah. So just, just, you know, going back to the, you know, the very name of the podcast and, and my interpretation given at the start, that kind of like, um, level headed risk taking, Mm -hmm. um, it's very hard. Like, you know, give my example. I, like my father, for, for many, many years, I tried to have, you know, that relationship that, that all young um, people want with their father. Mm. I tried very, very hard for that. Um, and it kind of wasn't working for whatever reason. And it, when you're actually still on that lily pad, it's very hard to go, um, right, if I take this risk, it's kind of like a threshold that once I jump, I can't really come back. Like, you, you can't kind of let somebody go, see what that manifests in your life as, and then if you don't like it, go back. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, or it's very, you know, you, if you can, you haven't truly kind of let them go. You've just kind of kept them at arm's length. And so I guess it just like with, with anything in life, be it a, a business decision or, you know, excluding somebody who's not a good influence on you, it's just, it's mitigating that, that downside. It's like, what's the potential upside? What can I do to ensure that this happens? Like, for instance, with my father, I, I kind of had this conversation with myself of, okay, if I, if I let him go, um, I'm not going to be, you know, the, the subject of these random kind of um, negative events that happen, you know, literally at, at random. Um, and so that's going to leave me with a, a lot of time in my life to either, you know, sit and be sad that I don't have a relationship with my father mm. um, or am I going to basically, you know, fill that time with not only making my own life a, as good as it possibly can, but, you know, in, in my opinion, a father is somebody that, that guides people. And so I guess in my life, it's like whenever, uh, for instance, somebody asks me for advice on social media, I will always give that person as much time as as needed to basically act like a some sort of guiding figure for them Mm. um and so again it's kind of just like you know if you have to make this like decision in your life you you can always turn it into something good even if that decision is really hard or is a loss in the moment like you can make it up later Mm. a hell of a long time yeah (laughs) 
Yeah. Has that, um, has your relationship, so you're a father now, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You were saying, so how, how do you feel that, has that changed your dynamic and, and just how you obviously want a father and, because I know many um, friends who haven't had, you know, great parents and, but they're amazing parents because it's, it's kind of, yeah, just that own personal journey for them. How's that been for you? So my fatherhood, I guess, <laughs> is, you know, it's, it's a tricky one. I'll, I'll all cards on the table. I, I would absolutely say that I'm an amazing guiding force or whatever for, for a lot of random people on the internet. I would absolutely say, yep, yeah, I am that guy. Um, I would never call myself an amazing father just because it's, it's territory that I don't feel like I've really been able to earn just yet. Mm. And the, the reason for that is, like I said a little while ago in the interview that, you know, I basically had, um, Henry is my little boy, by the way. Mm. I had I had Henry with my ex and, and basically the, the marriage didn't work out. And so I made the, again, at the time, excruciating decision to leave yeah. and kind of come what may. And so... Over the last, I think it's been about five years that we've been separated, you know, th- there's been a hundred beautiful occasions, a hundred amazing mm. occasions, but there's also been lots of uh, frustrating blocks, I guess, uh, I wouldn't say put in the way, um, I'm not blaming anybody, but basically blocks in the way that has gotten in the way of me being the dad that I know, you know, I hold myself to a very high standard in all areas of life and with such, you know, sacred ground as being a father, um, you know, to such a little champ that Henry is, obviously I want to honour that that high level for him as well. And I feel like, you know, if if a high level that I'd be happy with is like 90% or above, in spite of those kind of roadblocks that that are in the way um, with our various, you know, care arrangements and Mm. stuff, I think I'm still doing about 75% or above so I'm you know proud of what I've been able to do but I am I'm really hoping that um yeah as he again life is a very long time so I yeah I've made I've made a couple of decisions actually that surround Henry that have come from a place of kind of lose the battle, win the war, or mm. hopefully win the war. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm just kind of, I have, um, I'm not a religious person, but I have a lot of faith that, you know, my little guy and I have um, lots, lots of great, great times ahead. Yeah. And I think yeah. I mean, from hearing from you, you know, you've got a great heart and I think that's pretty, pretty amazing to hear. <laughs> yeah. Oh, totally. It's, I mean, that's a thing. Like everyone's life is, there's no perfect picture perfect life and there's no picture perfect family and you know it's yeah. not like mum dad and two kids like perfect perfect no so no, many. no absolutely it's it's like yeah and we just have to kind of embrace that and and make the best yeah. of things so yeah that's that's really inspiring too <laughs> so oh, cool. yeah um so i would love to go back to i love talking about the power of imagination sure and yeah, yeah. uh just going from you know reality of what 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 life is say you know at the moment and then the possibility of what could be 
And that sort of sure. brings us yep. back to that childlike, what we were talking about earlier, <laughs> you know, not being, yep. being childlike, but, and kids are so great at that, you would know, and because you, yeah. you've yeah. got a beautiful little boy and they just dream without hindrance. They don't worry about money. They don't worry about what people think of them. They just kind of yeah. imagine yep. big. And um, I'd love to hear the story of how you, you, you are a planner in your risk taking. And so, Take us back to when you and Eve started. Like, how did that conversation start and how did you end up where you were? I mean, that's quite a few years. So you can just give us yeah, a little sure, bit of a... Yeah, sure, sure. Yeah, I'll how, try and summarise it the best I can. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I'll actually go back a little bit further. And, and basically, through growing up, especially in my high school years, my high school years, like, like everybody, it was pretty formative for me. And there was several things that happened that I was just like, I am not going to be anything except for completely free in my life. Mm. You know, I can remember one time that just like, you know, oh, just things like, um, you know, trying to talk to that that girl, you know, after school (laughs) and and you think, hey, this is going pretty well. And then, you know, your your parent shows up not only like, super late but like the, the car breaks down in front of them and I've literally had to, you know had to like push start my parents car to, or my mum's car rather you know at the same try, time as trying to ask for a date and all, all of that sort of stuff that to to a 14 year old is yeah. like oh my god the world the world just ended um you know so yeah there, there's several of these kind of, I guess, negative experiences. And of course, there's way more dramatic ones, but I just, you know, it's, I'll, I'll let everybody literally use their imaginations. It, it was pretty bad there. Mm. And, um, and anyway, it basically created this kind of desire in me to live life on my own terms. And so I initially, you know, if that was the 14-year-old Joel, like the the 17-year-old Joel is like, right, I'm going to have a mansion and I'm going to have a, you know, all of this crazy stuff. I'm going to own a monkey, um, (laughs) all of that. Why not? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, hell yeah. Uh, It's my 19-year-old imagination going wild. So, yeah, basically I was like, right. I'm going to need a, a bunch of money. So that's initially what I thought was the bill and end all of, of freedom and, and all of that sort of stuff. So I, I went out and um, basically uh, did pretty well in the pursuit of trying to get money. As a 23-year-old, I, I worked for a bloke and we traveled the world. I you know, was making seven times what all of my friends were making. And yeah, basically met a bunch of people and most of them were pretty bad influences to the point where my big problem at that stage in life was I didn't know a good influence from a bad one. Um, And so, yeah, basically, you know, these people became my inner circle and yeah, I, you know, without naming names or whatever, I, I set up my life with one of them. And so that basically put me in a long way up, you know, an incorrect avenue. Mm-hmm. You know, if there's moving forward in life, I was on a, you know, 270 degree avenue going the other way. Yeah. And so I, I realized that um, when I got to the kind of somewhat the end of that avenue and then 
I did a 180 and uh, started, you know, turning around the best I could. And that basically was, was a pretty amazing time because I went from having, you know, I owned a house, I had the business flying the first time around, I had a studio, I had a car, all of that sort of stuff. And then to rip the Band-Aid off what I knew was a, a, an unhealthy situation, I pretty much lost all of that except for, you know, limited access to my little boy, you know, and, and even that at times has, I've had to like really fight, you know, for, for my rights and his rights to, um, for that to remain um, open. Mm. And so, yeah, the, the cool part of this story, though, is that even though that all imploded, you know, and I was the person that, you know, decided to implode that situation, it was literally six months later that it really started to turn around and pr- pretty much overnight, um, you know, after that, several things started really working. For instance, I met Eve, who who is just um, literally um, my biggest champion, biggest support. Um, yeah, she's like the the Joel Pringle business is not it's not it's not the Joel show. It's the Joel and Eve show. Mm-hmm. Like and 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 her businesses aren't you know the Eve show. It's the Joel and Eve show mm-hmm. always kind of thing. Yeah. And so um, yeah, like that that is I'm doing my best to kind of summarize it. But that was the situation where. Um, you know, I was using my imagination of like, I, I know what is in front of me yeah. isn't correct. And I know to get out of it isn't pretty. In fact, it's like, in my opinion, some of the, you know, the hardest, you know, bits of life, like, you know, div- divorce is hectic. Yeah. hectic. Um, and so, yeah, basically we, that, that was the first part. It was like, okay, I've gotten to this, I've gotten to the healthy lily pad, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and then, and then, you know, when we met each other, um, we, we literally had nothing, but we were healthy, you know? So it was like, um, right. I have just lost like all of my money. In fact, I think I was in about $25,000 worth of tax debt. And Eve was working at a cafe in pre- pretty like not healthy, you know, uh, financial kind of, yeah, I won't go into it too, <laughs> too deep, but basically she, she was being ripped off. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, so, so basically we, you know, these two people met each other and we were both like, Hey, you know, this, this we could do something really cool here. Cause you're, you're interested in business. Um, you know, I'm interested in business. You want to live free and crazy. So do I, and we're both, you know, ridiculously hard workers as well. You know, like, um, I was at that point working, um, long hours in the logo business to try and save it. And Eve was working incredibly long hours in this cafe, basically carrying it. And, so we were like, right, you know, we're, we're all of this horsepower is going into these things. What, you know, what should we do? And then Eve actually, you, you know, how grazing tables, not so much these days, and we, we'll get to that story in a minute, but you know how for a while there, grazing tables and platters were like the biggest thing yeah. to ever hit Melbourne? Yes. So Eve, <laughs> um, Eve actually called that trend like way before it broke here. And so we've, her calling that trend really easy and me having run a business for a couple of years, that was basically our first team up and it happened within 
like three weeks of us getting together wow. and that was totally like yeah so that basically went from um you know Eve and I being like oh, I wonder how we'll arrange this food to look really nice to you know we we worked for Google Mercedes-Benz Bunnings like uh Porsche like literally the, the biggest brands in the world over the course of three years and in my opinion led, led the industry you know so those kind of things were were totally our imagination you know and then like again this this could go on and on and on but everything we do starts as this kind of um it's it's actually for us it's a mixture of imagination and dissatisfaction so we're we're very easily dissatisfied people and it has tiny unhealthy ramifications but for the most part if you're it's like Winston Churchill uh, I love what he said I'm easily satisfied with the best mm-hmm. you know like and and I just I love that I'm just like yeah like as as if you'd be like oh this is the fifth best lifestyle I could have I'm cool with this yeah like, like I just I don't work like that so um you know for, for right now like we we have a great lifestyle but I'm like oh I haven't been to Italy yet you know I haven't driven a timber Lamborghini um speedboat up and down Lake Como like I really want to do that what's the business that's going to help me do that thing you know so yeah that that's basically I, I could give you a million examples mm. but that that's that's the genesis for us it's just that kind of like we're dissatisfied and we want more and so we will um, use our uh, imagination I guess um, in in a way to like you know go out and achieve that and um, yeah like I for me I, I pretty much like you know if I go back to my you know 17 year old poor kid I always wanted a Range Rover <laughs> it, it was just like I was like that that's the thing man <laughs> and so now now that I have that thing and a bunch of other toys where where I'm starting to find happiness is helping other people do it like yeah. I just it's the best thing in the world like I I could yeah, I'm sh- I'm sure I would become pretty unhappy if I just went out there and bought more and more and more expensive stuff. Like mm-hmm. that's just such a cliche. And so, yeah, that's that's why. Um, yeah, we'll get to it later. But that's why I'm trying to do this little um, kind of business course and all of that sort of stuff because it's just it's the best thing ever to see. Um, you know, younger people like instead of having to you know, stuff around for like five years and not get anywhere. If you can just like give them the fishing rod and then they can go and catch their own fish. It's just yeah. awesome. You know, really, really awesome. That's cool. That's great. Like as soon as you, even when you said that, like you're talking about all the things and then you said helping other people, like you, I could tell you were smiling when you said that and you just lit up. Yeah. Because, yeah, yeah. Cause that's where yeah. the, you know, you, the connection with, that's what we all love and want, right? Collect connection, belonging, yeah. and all of that. But when you Definitely. gather, yeah. you're gathering people together and helping them, and it's purpose, it's purpose in life, and bringing people together. Totally. And yeah. imagination and dissatisfaction leads. Yeah. Like, that's yeah. the that's the clincher for you. That's I think that's a risk in itself because a lot of uh, many people are happy to set, settle for the status quo because they think it's too hard or they think they're not allowed to, they don't have permission or they're just scared or they don't even know that that's sure. an option. So, and then, but I, and I love how just these conversations are happening. And I was talking to uh, one of my best friends yesterday about this is people don't 
a lot of people don't do this because they just don't know it's possible and they don't know that they have the possibility for a better life or a more adventurous life. And so when this is portrayed to them, it's like, this is what you could have. It's like, (laughs) you know, this wonder that eyes light up like a little kid going, could that be possible for me? And yeah. so it's like yeah. shouting yeah. from the rooftops, yes, you can have this, you know, whatever it yeah, is. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Whatever absolutely. it is and in your heart. Yeah, and it, 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 you know, it manifests for different people um, so differently. Yeah. And that, that's the beauty of of humanity, you know, like um, it's like a garden bed, like um, all of the flowers are equally as beautiful. They just bloom in, you know, different ways. And so as long as you live with humans, right, and we, we need a lot of time to recharge. Mm. And in my opinion, you recharge in your comfort zone. So, for, for instance, like, living on the yacht for a year and a half that was outside my comfort zone in so many ways but it was also literally like at times outside what a comfortable existence was Mm. and so for instance these days now that we have the house to run away to anytime we need a little comfort you know that you recharge in your comfort zone and then you come back out of your comfort zone on a regular basis and so long as you keep stepping in and out on a regular basis, but going to the gym, you know, on a regular basis. Like nobody's saying to get ahead in life, um, you have to stay out of your comfort zone the whole time because mm. that would be like going to the gym the whole time, yeah. which would just be ridiculous, you know. So, so long as each week you're doing like one or two things that was like, oh, that was a bit outside my comfort zone. If you consistently do that, it's no matter what life throws at you, like life throws heaps of doozies. I get doozies like all the time, mm. all the time. But so long as you're like consistently doing that little little stretch, you know, the, the, your power is greater than the random happenings in life and you will move forward to whatever goal you're after. Mm. That's so good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I think too what, what you said earlier about um, – just yeah the risk of you know when you when you made those big choices to to leave the family which is so brave but then you're actually choosing you're choosing yourself and that is actually the almost the greatest risk of all because we we make everything that we want to help other people and our hearts are in the right place and sure you we all want to help others but then Really, and I love that you said that you were you were your health like a healthy version of yourself, your healthiest self when you yeah. you and Eve met. You came together in this you know serendipitous moment, and but you'd been working on yourself and kind of. Uh, and I think in society, it's 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 getting better. We're, we're kind of learning to look inward and care for ourselves and be kind to ourselves and listen to you know what do I need? What is what is best for me right now? And and not feeling bad that it's like oh, I'm being selfish, but it's like how yeah. I'm going to be my best self when I'm when I love myself and I'm kind to myself, and I say, you know, we, this is kind of where where we're going. So yeah, yeah. I'm, so the the only thing I'll I'll, um, I'll add to that is so obviously everybody has different thresholds of you know the the punishment of the grind yeah. that they can take, right? So like an Olympic weightlifter, 
he knows or she knows that they can get in that gym and absolutely kick their own ass and get results out of it, right? Mm. Um, whereas somebody uh, that's never lifted a weight in their life, they have to start small, mm. yeah? But in order to get to that Olympic level, you have to kind of slowly work to a place where it's not unhealthy for you to go, come on, Joel, you can do better than that. Yeah. You know, like you have to be able to not only, you know, stand in the comfort kind of zone for yourself when you need it. Um, like I, I, I agree with you. I think society is getting a lot better at like self-care and, and self-permission um, and all of those soft things that, that are vitally important because, again, no, nobody can just like whip themselves to success. That, that's not how it works. But something that I don't think is talked about much and, you know, I can only give you my perspective on things, mm. but there, there's, there's a lot of times that, um, you know, my self-talk isn't polite. It's also not negative, yeah. but it, it's, you've got to be your own totally. goddamn taskmaster. Yeah. You know, you've got, you've got to be your own drill sergeant. You've, you've got to tell yourself things that maybe you don't want to hear. Like, um, yeah, like for instance, what, what I try to do in my life a lot is imagine myself like looking down on the, literally the the world from a bird's eye view and that includes myself um I, you know some some people call it self reflection i try and um Looking down is a, a horrible expression. That's not what I'm trying to say. No, but it's like, I'm not go- looking, like Google Maps, yeah. kind of like zooming out of your life. Yeah, yeah. Ab- absolutely. That's that's yeah. a that's a great way of putting it. So yeah. I try and Google Maps not only my own life, but I also, you know, it's why I'm able to be successful in business. I Google Maps, you know, for instance, um, the logo buying general public, and in my business, I was able to go, okay. Um, you know, if I hadn't zoomed out yet, I'd be like, okay, I'm a graphic designer and all of my graphic design peers, they tell me that um, spending hours laboring over a design is something that you need to do and um, spending hours and hours like researching the person's business is something that you need to do and like putting all of these extra frills on top of it, like that's what is needed. Mm-hmm. And so... I'm like, okay, maybe that's true, right? So then I zoom out and I Google Google Maps, you know, designers as a whole over on the right-hand side. And then on the left-hand side, you've got Charlie, who is an average, you know, logo purchasing member of the public. Now, don't get me wrong. There's, there's a tiny amount of the public that want those like, you know, really time intensive graphic design projects, yada, yada, yada. Just like there is a small amount of the public that want to buy Lamborghinis. Mm-hmm. Most people want to buy a Toyota. Most people are incredibly happy with, um, with ba- basically what I've done in the, in the logo area, which is, um, super readable. Um, it's a pre-done style. So people know exactly what they're going to get. It's delivered fast and it's delivered with a smile, hmm. you know? So the literally, literally like we were talking about online haters, Probably my biggest group of online haters because there's there's quite a few now and I can like you know arrange them in groups mm-hmm. are graphic designers you know you you yeah so so basically like 
um, to, to get to that point of view, um, which I now know because I have the proof, which is my amazing lifestyle that was the right point of view. Um, and there's still, there's, you know, there's graphic designers, um, those traditional ones out there, if the general public, you know, wants to go there, but clearly they, they kind of don't. But to get to that point of view, I had to um, basically call bullshit on myself, which mm, was, yeah. hey, I'm, I'm this graphic designer with a qualification and what would the general public want? You know, they're, they're idiots just asking for Toyotas and I've designed them a Lamborghini. Why won't they buy it? You know, so I had to be like, yeah, Joel, that's, that's bullshit. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. and so I... I there's not many people out there that like you, you have to you have to beat yourself up a little bit when you need a little bit of a clip around the ears. Like, yeah, it's yeah. really important. Be, be devil's advocate to yourself. <laughs> totally. That's another really, really good way of putting it. Devil's mm. advocate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it's, it's true because we, if we're, and that's the, another reason why surrounding ourselves with big dreamers and great kind of go-getters and people that are, out there um seeing things happen is because otherwise you just like you do your little thing and you you know i'll I'll tell people i've i'm doing something before i've even planned it so that then i have accountability yeah yeah yeah. that's what i do this podcast you know um when i launched it like it's it's um because you we know ourselves like we better do it now (laughs) yeah and it's it's like you you want to have it's like the power of resistance you know like Stephen Pressfield's book the um what's it called the war of art it's such a good book because Uh it's like you we know what we want to do in our heart like we've got these passions and we want to do them but then we're our own worst we self-sabotage ourselves and make excuses but it's like the resistance is like come on that's the clue that's the clue we're on the right track so yeah 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 absolutely yeah that's so inspiring, and so you. <laughs> I love, but I love how you um you simplified it because really simplification is. It's beautiful. It, yeah, it really is, and yeah. that, it's it's in our whole lives really when you slow down. And, and, and just, it's it's so powerful. It's yeah. so powerful. Yeah, like I think um I um uh, <laughs> I'm not going to mention the name just because that will instantly color things but all I'll say is a person everybody knows about um, they they were actually analyzed and basically based based on their IQ and their education and their their speech when they were not in the public eye versus their speech when they were in the public eye this very successful person actually consciously talks different talks simpler mm. um, in order to connect with more people. Mm. Um, and, and it was done to humongously powerful uh, returns for that person. So simplification is where it's at. It's, it's just about the best. I'll, I'll just jump back on a, another point you made a second ago, Nat, with that whole, you know, surround yourself with good people. I just want to define what that actually looks like for me because it, it is a bit of a, a vague kind of thing. Like, you know, does that mean you, you just kind of like, oh, that looks like a cheerful person. I'll spend more time, you know, drinking with them on the weekend or something. Like, yeah. for me, what it looked like was, and it really came into the forefront when we were living on the on the yacht and spending a bit of time, you know, in marinas. Which don't get me wrong, there's lots of weirdos in marinas, <laughs> but 
but there's also, in my opinion, Australia's most, you know, dynamic and successful and balanced people because they're people that have not only gotten to the top of the, you know, success ladder, but they're like, you know, interested enough and, and, and more than money enough mm-hmm. to go, hey, how about we buy a boat? That yeah. would be nice. We could like go and explore nature, all of that sort of stuff. So they're, they're pretty pretty quality people you find in and around marinas and so I would literally you know just just basically every, every day have a smile on my face and be generally positive like I'm, I'm actually not a very positive person by nature but I try really hard and and what would happen was I'd get in conversation with these people that you know they'd be like oh what do you do for Christ oh what are you blah 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 we get to know each other and then after two or three times of bumping into them and you know we both seem like nice people like I'd get an invite to go over and hang out on this boat um, because somebody's making scones or like mm-hmm. somebody's you know got a pizza on or something and when when you've built that little framework with people of like we've had a couple of interactions and, and we seem like nice people I would literally be like uh, if you were if you were me like a 35 year old guy I've started a business you know I, I would love to be where you guys are right now and like you'd literally be talking to people sitting on their you know million dollar yachts with their lovely family like they're, they're people that by and large they're happy successful wonderful people I'd be like you know what 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 would you give me as the one bit of advice to fast track me to to where you are now and yeah that that was like I've had so many people you know just give me amazing advice from from just literally asking yeah and you and you see their Actually, most some of the most genuine people as well who have these yeah. lifestyles. And what you just said reminded me of, you know, that saying where people are like elevators. Like you either get on the elevator and you go to the basement and you, they make you feel yeah. like rubbish about yourself or feel like just feel yeah. like rubbish. And then or you get in, you go to the penthouse. And so... Because they're, they're not in the fight anymore. They're not struggling to yeah. get to that high level. So yeah. they're just like oh, this, you know, this bloke's asking me for advice. I'll give him some candid advice, yeah. you know. And I think it's about how people make you feel and knowing yourself well enough to be aware of how you feel around certain people as well and just yeah, yeah. being like aware, oh, I feel really discouraged right now. Like let's maybe not <laughs> spend time with this person as much. Yeah, yeah. Um, and is it like is it like I feel really discouraged because I need to toughen up a little yeah, bit or, yeah, you yeah. know, yeah. Or, or is it like this guy's a dick? Yes. Yes. <laughs> totally. Knowing the, knowing the difference. Cause sometimes it's yeah, like yeah. you actually being lazy and you need to like pull your finger out, <laughs> take this risk yeah. or whatever. Yeah. That's really great. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and also what you said too, with the simplification, like with the person you were talking about who had changed their language to connect with people. Yeah. And that's what we do with kids, right? Cause we, the aim is to connect. And so, yeah, 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 absolutely. Which is really, and bringing back to your, your company, obviously you're seeing the fruit of that and knowing, like doing the Google Maps thing, the zoom out and then knowing your your people. It's about reflecting on what other people want rather than Mm. just being like force feeding them what you think they want or just like you haven't even thought about what they, what you think they want. You're just like, this is me, Mm -hmm. you know, take, give me heaps of money for this thing that I haven't even thought about. Um, You know, like, so 
yeah, if, if we'll take it in the business direction, any business, um, especially these little like solo entrepreneurial businesses are really in a danger of um, being so much about the damn business owner and nothing about the, the person that, you know, that you're trying to sell to. It, it should be 100% the other way. Mm. Like, you know, obviously you you want to be, as, as that single business owner, you want to be doing something that you enjoy, you, all of that stuff for sure. But if you enjoy doing something that nobody wants to buy, that's not a business, that's a hobby. And and if you, if you want to turn it into a business, you, you would be wise to Google Maps out and look at look at the groups out there and be like, okay, what, what do they actually want? Like the, the answer for, for most successful businesses is already there. People are already buying um, what they're going to buy. Um, you can ju- you just give it to them either faster, cheaper, friendlier, all of that sort of thing. Very, very rarely are new products or genres created. That's like one one in a billion businesses, you know. So like, if if you're this person who's like Joe Citizen or Jane Citizen, and you're like, hey, I think I've got a, a burning business desire inside me. I've never really started a business before, but like, I'm I'm really good at X, and I want to offer that to to people. Then you would be wise to to look, for instance, on Amazon and be like, are people buying X? Mm. And like, if they are, can I compete with Amazon? Probably not. <laughs> you know, so so <laughs> so that little thing, like that, that could literally save somebody six years of their life and a hundred thousand dollars. You know, um, but like it doesn't have to end there. They're like, okay, probs can't do that. Yeah. Um, but what what is something that I could totally do? Because I, as, as much as I'm like, yeah, you can't uh, compete with Amazon. That's like I can't compete with, for instance, Fiverr logos because they're the very bottom end of town, mm. and I also can't compete with like an ad agency because they're the very top end of town. It doesn't matter. Like I, I have chosen not to sell Hyundai's and I have chosen not to sell Lamborghinis. I'm selling Toyota Land Cruisers, yeah. and that's and that's what that's what the most most people want. You want to appeal to that to the masses, not not the the um, the tiny, tiny amount of people. Mm. And that comes by, <laughs> yeah, and knowing your avatar and knowing who that, per, you know, the person is, like what's their yeah. name, where do, they, where do they shop, what do they buy, what are they passionate about, where do they, what's their family yeah. like and, and knowing all of that. And so I would love to ask you about just the last couple of questions. Uh, yeah, go for, it. go for it. Talking about, I mean, we've talked about, you know, pain and failure, but in terms of business, yeah. <laughs> I don't want to dive back into the pool of that. But yeah, no, no, go for it. But it's part of, you know, you anyone who knows, who started a business, who wants to, who's seen people knows that it's, I love talking about redefining pain and failure because we kind of yeah. run, run away from it thinking it's bad and it's, we've, we've, we're not succeeding if we're experiencing either of those or both of those. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it does teach us so many things about ourselves, as we know. But also, it's just it's just part of business. And so, what have you? What's been your biggest failure that you thought at the moment it was the worst? My most yeah. epic fail. Yeah, and yeah. Then, and now for it's like sure. proud of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> so, uh, God, I've um, I got fired from the last real job that I had. Te- technically, it was a golden handshake, but I'm just going to chalk it up for being fired. Yeah. Um, but basically, I worked for a bloke for, I think it was about three and a half years. And 
I didn't realize at the time that basically I was in this uh, situation where a new employee comes into the business, they're treated like the golden person for a couple of years and rewarded for going, like I go above and beyond, but this was like way above, way yeah. beyond, like literally zero, zero life, mm-hmm. um, like, you know, one day off in a year kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and so uh, basically I got to a point where I started going like, hey, you know, there, there's a boundary here. And so instead of living right next to um, the, the place that I was working, I was like, oh, I know what I'll do. I will move 40 minutes up the road to the country. Um, I'll still, you know, this was in Melbourne. I'll still obviously commute in every day. I'm a punctual person, a hardworking person. Surely I can get, you know, what is needed done, you know, throughout that day. Happy to even come in on weekends. Like, just kind of who I am. But, like, I'm not going to, you know, be working at 1 a.m. All, all that crazy stuff, right? Yeah. And so I, I basically got fired from that job um, after six months of me putting up these kind of what I consider healthy boundaries. Mm. And that was my – that was – my first um, in a series of what at the time felt like failure, but in fact was, you know, the blossoming lotus of, you know, we, we now make hundreds of thousands of dollars a year. We can do it from the moon if we want. Mm. Like I I actually, um, I'm still getting used to talking about the level of success that we have achieved because, you know, I'm not some Silicon Valley guy. I'm a bloke that's working in a small business under the Australian government's, you know, small business framework. The, you know, even though the internet is here, starting, starting a business in America, for instance, where you've got over 300 million people, it's just easier than starting a business in a country where you got 20 million. Um, but basically, so like I, I feel that through the last 10 years of failing, we, we have created, I would say, you know, obviously I'm not talking about like big crazy mining businesses and stuff, but considering that we are completely paperless, completely geographic free, we uh, employ one full-time person and like, you know, Eve does, you know, two days a week kind of bookkeepery stuff and our accountant, um, considering the juice that we extract from this tiny dynamic grape that we have created, it's actually quite amazing. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, it, it's amazing. And, and the reason why we have gotten to this crazy, you know, profit time is because like, I've probably had one epic fail, you know, per 24-month cycle over the last, um, you know, uh, 10 years. Mm. Um, so get, getting fired was that first one. Um, the um, the logo business was actually started basically three days after I got fired. Um, but when I look back, um, like I call it the logo business now because that's what I exclusively do. Um, but when I look back at, the first iteration of my business, it was uh, basically a, my name is Joel, I will do anything that vaguely uh, correlates to the graphic design industry just to try and pay my rent this week. Mm. Like it just, I I would do absolutely anything kind of thing. And it was, um, yeah, like I really wanted a studio and I really wanted 
fancy stuff and business cards and like all, all of that kind of thing. And one week I'd be working on a website and then the next week I'd be working on something else like a, yeah, like a business card. And I was that classic person that was like extremely busy, extremely committed. And at the end of the year when everything was paid for, I'd make 42 grand in a year. Mm. You know, it was just like, oh, you know, this, this is brutal. And so that, that like, I reckon, and this is, this is an area that I really want to try and rescue Australian business people from this area of like, okay, they leave their nine to five job, they go out and start a business and they make just enough money to get by. And they're like, you know, do I yeah. do do I admit defeat now and either go back to my job where, you know, like like my design job that I got fired from was making nearly a hundred grand as a twenty three year old. So then then to come out as you know, the, this guy that's like, oh, I'm, I'm going to be this business person and make 42. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I got into tax trouble and I think I made a loss the next year. So that, you know, I basically didn't pay attention to the accounting side. And so that, that took me like two years of basically like, you know, $5 for the tax man, $1 for me, you know, of this like slow grind to get out of that. So like that's an epic failure. Y- yeah. Like if, Business is hard, so you want the reward of the of the. It's harder than being an employee. Mm. Like I don't care, I don't care if you're a, a legal executive working all hours of the day. Like yes, you're an amazingly hard worker and a smart person, and that's that's awesome. Um, but it's not as hard as running a business totally. because there's just there's so many things up in the up in the air. So if it's harder, surely you get paid more, right? Yeah. Um, and like, well, that's, that should at least be the plan. What happens a lot of the time, especially in Australia, is you get that classic Aussie business person that is putting up with the hardship and smiling through gritted teeth, but not taking home the, you know, 160 grand a year, 200 grand, those, those amazing life-changing numbers. Um, and, and that's what, that's what I would really love to, like, in, instead of people having to go through what I've gone through over the last 10 years, which I genuinely feel if I didn't have the, like, you will not break me kind of spark that was ignited from my childhood, I probably would have given up purely because I was like, I could have at any time been like, I'm going to go get a junior graphic design position and make 60 grand. Yep. Yeah. It's so easy to do. Right. Um, but like here I am now at year 10 or 11, I'm like, holy moly, mm. like as oh, I'm so glad I didn't do that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, like f- failures are plenty, like interesting story time instead of just like um, business philosophy. Eve and I met each other, like I told you, um, we had this idea of like um, doing the, or she had the idea of the, the platters. We did the platters successfully for a year or something and um we had $50,000 saved um, and we were like, right, now what we're going to do is we're going to do a second business. Stupidest idea ever, we <laughs> thought. Um, a, yeah, we thought, oh, a coffee caravan, that, that will go really well in Melbourne, right? Because there's no coffee caravans no. in Melbourne. Uh, yeah, there's like, it's really hard to get a coffee in Melbourne. So 
how about we offer another coffee outlet? And so that's what we did. We went and designed um, from scratch literally the cutest coffee caravan that um, the world has ever seen, the most beautiful coffee machine. We sourced the most outrageously fantastic beans. Again, we, we did the Lamborghini kind of approach, like high-end, high-end, high-end. And, um, yeah, we, we like – it took us about nine months to basically work with this, you know, manufacturer to get it made and, you know, imported and everything, blah, blah, blah. The whole thing cost about 50 grand. And within about three weeks, um, we realized that we had just backed the entirely wrong mm. um, pony. Like we, we had just, yeah, it was, it was a spectacular fail. So we had spent $50,000, but also spent nine months, like that's the other thing people don't really factor in. It's like we had spent nine months kind of birthing this thing um, and for it to give us like, you know, there was some times where we were getting up in the middle of the Melbourne winter at literally 3am, you know, driving an hour to our little designated spot, you know, serving people coffee all morning, running the generator, the whole thing. And literally a good day, we, we might make 60 bucks. Like it, it was, just, it was horrific, you know. And so we decided pretty quickly that, like, okay, that was a bad bet. We aren't going to continue in this, and obviously, we'll try and sell it. But it happened, and this is like a total risk taker post the moment. And I'm just going to throw a disclaimer out here. <laughs> I am, I am not telling anybody to do what we did. It, it worked out for us because, because we're us and we're freaks and we make things work. But, you know, this, what we did was probably the most dangerous risk of our, you know, yeah. financial life. And so we were like, right, we want to, you know, get this yacht. This was before we had the yacht, but basically we've got like 10 bucks in our liquid money that we can actually use, our cash flow positive money. But we've got $38,000 sitting there that we need to pay the tax man in four months' time. So it's basically our GST money, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And so, and so we basically said, right, we will buy this yacht with the GST money on the proviso that we will get this money to the tax man when it is due. Mm. And we, we will do literally anything from like I literally did in Harvey Bay. I, I became a cleaner for a couple of weeks right at the end. I kind of didn't need to, but like we will do anything to make this work. Yeah. And so we basically bought that, that yacht uh, with money that technically wasn't ours. And again, if you were listening to this out there, people, like I, I kind of advise against that one because that was a bit of a risk. But, you know, we, yeah, we basically got onto the yacht and with that new sense of like sink or swim, literally, I made the, the changes in the logo business to compound the fact that the, the other thing that was happening <laughs> was COVID had just hit and literally overnight, our super successful, you know, platter business yeah. um, yep. it got absolutely demolished, right? Like it went from a year and a half of, of, of forward bookings to nothing. So it was literally like, this is either going to work or it will not work. But we're going to try it anyway because not doing this is, in my opinion, that would have been the only failure because you're yeah. like you're admitting defeat basically. Um, and so we tried it, and I, um, yeah, just basically denounced 
any personal claim that I had over, you know, my business, which is an artistic-based business. And if, if people go to um, Instagram.com forward slash Joel Pringle and you, and you scroll back, you'll see my old style, which is like um, black and white ink and quite, quite beautiful and high-end or whatever. And I basically made the, that conscious decision in that moment to, yeah, make it not about me, make mm. it more about what, what people actually were buying. Mm. And I was noticing that like all of these graphic designers were getting ahead by offering this vector style, um, this like colorful vector style, They're, like almost like a bit cartoony or something. Um, and nobody was doing mascots. So I was like, oh, well, you know, I'm an illustrator. This is like, and still even to this day, like using color in my artwork is not, is, it doesn't feel good to me. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, but I'm like, that's what people want. And so I'm going to try this. And also, you know, I was selling logos for $1,500 each at that time. And I was you know, selling a couple of months. It, it was working or whatever. But I was like, right, what is the magic price? for logos. What do people actually want to pay? And and it doesn't matter if if they're, you know, cheapskates, it doesn't matter if they're like just like that's irrelevant. What do they actually want to pay? And so I did a bit of research and I thought like four hundred bucks was about what they wanted to pay. And so I was like, cool, um, I will do a $300 buy-in. And if they want the optional extras that I create for them, um, it will be $500 because that orbits that $400 price that everybody wants to, you know, to buy. So bear in mind at that time, that was like a, you know, a, a 70% pay cut for me. Mm. And so I put it out there and within three weeks, I had made more money in a month than I had ever done in a year before. And, and that's the power of it, you know. It's, it's the power of taking an educated risk mm. and, and making it about other people. Yeah. You, you know, like, yeah. <laughs> it, it really is like it is that simple. Yeah, and knowing your market and treating them, knowing yeah, knowing what they want. That's It's like marketing is solving a problem. And so you, you're – Totally, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that is a wild ride. <laughs> But even, but even coming back to, you know, you, you put the disclaimer on, you're like, I don't. And, and the best such. part is that's like, that is a 50th of, yeah. of what it was actually like. <laughs> I'll have to get you on every single season and do like little updates. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, yeah, yeah. But the thing is, and yeah, you're, you're so transparent in your journey and you love to tell, and that's what people love as well, because you want to do life with people and you're so willing to help and encourage and you've been so generous. We've chatted for so long and we can, continue, oh, we can have another time. Yeah. But, uh, but, and, and just going on from, yeah, you, you, you're such a teacher in terms of like, I'd love to, to show you what I know. So what you've got, you've been working on this project, this passion project. Obviously. Yeah. R- remote business pro. Yeah. yeah. So tell us yeah, about so that. I, I, when yeah, it's, yeah. when's that launching? So Remote Business Pro is absolutely created along those lines of what you were saying before with this podcast. It's just like start promising people something mm. and then you have to do it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so, so yeah, basically it was, I think it was a little bit later than mid last year. I was like, I have, I have cracked the formula here and I want to, I want to give people this this sounds weird. I, I want to give people three quarters of the formula mm. so that they like I don't want 
people to go out and be like Joel Pringle 2.0. That, that, that doesn't help the marketplace whatsoever. I want people to like use their own special whatever plus the principles that I teach to let their thing blossom. Mm. Um, and because I, I can't be them, they can't be me. You know, it's, it just, it wouldn't work. So remote business pro, for a while there was going to be basically this like tool for graphic designers to buy for a couple of hundred bucks um, to create pretty much the exact same business that I've got. Um, and then I thought, okay, that's probably going to make, you know, five or six people, like the, the first people to buy and actually implement those steps. It will probably make those people rich. And then in like, two years time, the industry, the creative industry will be so saturated with art that looks exactly like mine that it's just not a very good long-term plan. And so what I decided to do was create a course that was pretty much broken up into three uh, groups. The first part is the, the fact that most business problems stem from personal problems. So the first chapter, if you want to call it, is just like I've had to look at myself personally and be like, Joel, you're all about flashy cars. Like, bro, that's not a very good thing to bring into your business. It will make you focused on buying a flashy car rather than, you know, setting up an amazing business. And so, yeah, it basically investigates all of those things that people need to deploy hyper self-honesty about and be, be that kind of like mixture of self-care and, and self, you know, kick ass to get them into a place where they're like, yeah, I am pretty, you know, Mm -hmm. bad with money or like, yeah, I admit I probably am a little bit like instant gratification, all of that sort of stuff. So that's kind of the first third of it. The middle part of it is basically like business philosophy. You know, some of the points we've we've talked on, you know, dur- during this conversation, for instance, like a, l- a lot of sole traders, you know, in particular, let's say they're quite like a classy person, right? They get into business and they have this idea that whatever they're going to do, be it a product or service or whatever, it's going to be like a really high-end classy thing because it's like, I'm a classy person, it's a classy product, it's what I do. And basically, it just it, it goes into several steps that aim to expedite people's success over pitfalls. Like, for, for instance, that person who's quite a fancy person or whatever, they it, it's silly to try to market and build and sell Lamborghinis. It's much smarter to market, build, and sell Toyotas. Mm. You know, so it's it's basically like that kind of business philosophy stuff that also blurs slightly into our personal kind of traits as well. But it's it's that middle chapter is way more business philosophy. And then the third part is somewhat of a blueprint. I give the the 10 or so kind of guidelines, I guess. Stuff like, they're, they're very, very practical, but it's not like, you know, you should invest X amount of money in X business at X time. Like that's, that's just not what I do. It's stuff like I, when I set up uh, any business, uh, you know, digital business, I always aim for at least 65, 70% profit margins, you know, and I give examples of like, for instance, when I bought the Range Rover, I was, I was, 
looking at this, you know, guy's business model and, you know, it's a secondhand car. So it's like you go along to his really big, fancy showroom, right? So that's immediately costing him heaps of money. He hasn't made a sale yet. There's like five cars sitting there. Three of them are $80,000 Range Rovers. There's a $60,000 Audi R8 and, you know, $120,000 Bentley. And you're like, all right, you've paid all of this money. You haven't made a cent yet. He's got three people sitting on computers. So he's, you know, it's just, it's a nightmare of a business model. Like one of those people could be backing the Bentley out, for instance, scratch it, all of a sudden, Joe Bloggs coming to buy the Bentley, sees a massive scratch, he's not going to buy that car. It's, it's a nightmare. Whereas what I try to get people to do is look at examples like that in their own business mm. and be like, you know what? I don't really need a physical product because that's going to take away my ability to make a 70% profit margin. And it really does like – if, I've got to say, if people can get through my 10 or so steps or requirements or whatever, they will be left with a killer business mm. idea. You promotes, know, because, like it, promotes it, curiosity in their own... Absolutely, yeah. 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 So it's basically like, you know, what are you good at and naturally inclined to do? What resources in your life do you have that you can deploy plus all of this Joel Pringle stuff? that should expedite your success. Great. Well, I will put all the details yeah. for that in the show notes. And then when <laughs> it's launched, um, we can we can be ready. But um, that's cool. Cool. Yeah, I'm, I'm aiming for mid, mid-March. It will likely be end March yeah. um, just because, yeah, there's, 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 there's so as, much as to do. Saw, so much to it. <laughs> My gosh, yeah, launching an online program. I've done that before. It's like, whoa, it's like having 20, <laughs> birthing 20 children. <laughs> totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 But, but it's it comes back to, you know, I guess when you're building it and it's like, oh, my gosh, this is taking so long. It's like the whole the bottom line is always like you want to help people. You want to bring out the best totally. in people and help them yeah. fly. And yeah, that's yeah, yeah. why Absolutely. Yeah, your story is so great. But um, oh, easy, my pleasure. Oh, thank you so much for your time. <laughs> it was such a great treat to chat. Oh, and, good one, Matt. Thanks for the opportunity. Yeah, it's my pleasure. Sure. All right, thanks, Joel. <laughs> You're the best. Thanks so much. Talk soon. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Risk Takers podcast. Please share this with as many people as you can. And if you loved it, please give us a five-star rating so more people can be encouraged. I would love to add you to our risk list. So let me know when you take your first step. Hashtag 1 million risks and send me an email via napbox.com.au so we can all cheer each other on. And whatever you're facing right now, just know that you're not alone. You're braver and more courageous than you think. I'll see you next time. Love you.